Hey, what's up, health fam? Thanks so much for tuning into the Fredrickson Health Show, episode 23. On this episode, we interview Dr. Francesca LeBlanc, who's a hormone and adrenal health, health expert. We talk about the normal rise and fall of cortisol and how this is supposed to happen in a normal, everyday routine. But unfortunately for so many people, this pattern is shifted, it's off, it's either too high or extremely too low. And we talk about ways to test your levels and to give the appropriate supplements, the appropriate diet type. For example, if you have really high cortisol in the morning, it might not be a good idea to spike your blood sugar and might make your cortisol even go even higher. So we talk about how to, how to do this, how to you know use protein to blunt blood sugar, how to use carbs to your advantage at night maybe, depending on your levels, and we go into a whole bunch of other things. So this is an episode you don't want to miss. Be sure to check it out, leave a review, and we'll see you on the next one. Welcome to the Fredrickson Health Show, highlighting expert practitioners from health, fitness, injury prevention, functional medicine, and integrative medicine. If you are into upgrading and optimizing your health, this podcast is for you. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here is your host, Dr. Robert Fredrickson. Good morning from San Diego. I'm just kidding. I, I listened to uh, Ron Burgundy this morning, and I just wanted to say that. I've always wanted to say that. One of my favorite quotes from uh, Anchorman. Today, yes. Yes. Today on the Fredrickson Health Show, episode 23, we have Dr. Francesca LeBlanc, who is a hormone expert, hormone doctor, who deals with the HPA axis uh, dysfunction. What is the HPA axis dysfunction? What is that? You might know it as adrenal fatigue, but it's a lot more than just adrenal fatigue. So we're going to talk about the ins and outs of this today. But real quick, let's get a quick introduction from Dr. Francesca. So Dr. Francesca, thank you so much for coming on today. Please introduce, introduce yourself and let everyone know how you got into this world of functional medicine and how you got introduced to adrenal fatigue um, from the get-go. Sure. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I actually, my, um, my road to healthcare, actually to natural medicine started in the corporate world. So, um, I was a chronically sick child with allergies. So that led to a teenager with chronically off cycles and hormones out of whack to an extent where I was always sick. I dealt with the mono and all of that stuff very early on. And then of course, as a young adult, out of college, get a job, grinding, 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 could not really get well, could never really get enough sleep, could never figure out how to get to sleep, could never get over a sinus infection, always had some kind of underlying illness, I always had some kind of prescription being written for me. I was in a hamster wheel of specialists for a large portion of my life. And it wasn't until I actually went to a chiropractor for an injury from weightlifting who referred me to a Chinese herbalist. And that's where this entire journey started. And it was with Lucy because no one can really say her name. God bless her. I wish she was, she was still around. She was fantastic. Could only get about mm, 2% of what she was saying most of the time. But she explained to me how I had fire, fire inside me that needed to be calmed. So I kind of just tucked that away in the back of my brain because this was my first 
really, you know, parlay into natural healthcare. I was going to a chiropractor. I was now going to an herbalist. Well, long story longer, I wound up leaving the corporate world to go to chiropractic school. And it was in chiropractic school that I really still couldn't even level up my health. I didn't understand why I just never felt well. I didn't get it. People are like, I have so much energy. It was not me unless there was a lot of caffeine in the mix. So I started to finally dive into functional medicine as most of us chiropractors do while we're in school. And after graduating from chiropractic school and practicing chiropractic for a few years, I started studying functional medicine. I decided to get a functional medicine doctor of my own and boom, I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. I was like, oh my gosh, it has a name. This is amazing. That's a name. I've been living my life for so long thinking I was nuts because there's antidepressants that are given to you when you keep going to a doctor complaining of the same things. There's, you know, uh, anti-anxiety and sleep medication given to you when you're saying you just can't sleep and you're restless and anxious. And none of, I've, I've tried it all. I'll be the first to tell you because I was very, very compliant, but none of it ever worked. So I have a functional medicine practitioner finally telling me, that I have something called HPA axis dysfunction and adrenal fatigue, and it's time to look at my cortisol. So once we looked at my cortisol, I mean, I'm, I was, I don't know how I was the way I was, but I was spiking cortisol at night when I should be sleeping. I virtually had no cortisol during the day when I needed energy. I was surviving off of coffee for that reason, because how can you be a young professional and just cannot peel me off the floor, like no energy. So it was a process, but through that process, I really learned a lot about hormones. I learned a lot about my particular hormones. It took me back to that child that was allergic. It got my wheels turning and thinking. And I said, okay, this is where I'm now going to zero in my practice. So I work with a lot of women that have similar issues. I think now more than ever, everyone is beyond stressed out to a degree, which is immanageable. And as much as we talk a lot about stress management techniques, nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing it. We are just burning out at really an infinite degree. I mean, I don't know how we're, we're still grinding. We're just grinding, grinding, grinding. So um, I work, that's, that's the focus of my practice now. And it, it's great to, to be able to share what I know, what I experience with a lot of women and help them kind of turn it around. It's a process. Anyone that you know yourself, I mean, patients get in. I mean, this is not something we're going to turn around here in a couple of weeks or a month, but with the commitment and to really understanding and wanting to dive in and peel back the onion and break some of these, you know, patterns of, of communication that are faulty, break it down, fix it. And magic happens. Yes. That's awesome. So would you say that adrenal fatigue manifested in chiropractic school? Because I know that was a big burden or would you say it was more when you first started in practice or both? So I would say that when I started working in the corporate world in consumer product sales, and I became that person that very easily, I slid right into 12 to 14 hour work days, no problem, drive, 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 meet those sales records, get those bonuses. I mean, it was a no brainer for me. I think that I was already setting myself up there. And funny, you should say that about chiropractic school, because even though I was probably at that time eating the best I ever had, because as we learn and we apply all of those nutrition principles, I was eating better. I was getting adjusted. I was drinking more water than I ever had before. I still 
was finding myself sliding into those habits, studying late into the night, screwing up my circadian rhythm, drinking too much coffee during the day to get through exams, you know, so I think it just perpetuated really the beast that I have underlying surface. You know, I very easily go right into it. It's just, I, without stop, do not pass go, do not collect $200. I am like, boom, burnout right there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, chiropractic school for anyone who doesn't know is very, very grueling. I mean, I, I think you have to drink coffee as a necessity just, just to survive. I, I mean, that's how I got hooked on coffee. That's why I'm hooked right now uh, is from the traumatic experience of chiropractic school and trying to pass because they cram so many different tests in a trimester. It's, it's a not, lot. It's not normal. It's an accelerated program. If you think about it and you're doing so many different tests, so many different quizzes all day long. And eventually you wake up like, I don't feel good. I don't have the energy. Right. Burn out. Right. I can take a quiz today. Like, okay, whatever, throw it at me. Um, yeah. But I mean, I was already self-diagnosing myself with adrenal fatigue in school, you know, taking all the glandulars, all the adaptogenic herbs. Right. But I never did like a cortisol test, but I just knew it's like, you know, my adrenals are shot. That's what we called it. Right. My adrenals are shot. Yeah. But for anyone listening and we're all, we all have stress in our lives at some time, but sometimes we don't make or take action on that stress until it really manifest as a disease or disease state or disease state. What are some common diseases that you see that are associated with stress that if you don't treat the stress early on can manifest later? So I'm, I'm going to just be, be bold and say depression and anxiety, because that is my life. I very easily fall into patterns of depression and anxiety. And, you know, considering the matters of the world right now as well, I notice myself very easily becoming overwhelmed. And if I don't step in and do something about it, because there is an awareness that happens once you start to know your body. I think once you start to go through functional medicine and really learn the signals that your body starts giving you, you can say, oh, (laughs) it's happening. Okay. I need to do something because this can quickly spiral. And I think it's directly related to stress. I know for a lot of my patients, a lot of women I work with that have got some really intense powered, high powered positions, there's an inevitable amount of stress that is there that they cannot control because they're the CEOs and the directors of these gigantic important departments and their roles are pretty heavy. So what do you do about that? And that's the next thing, because, you know, these are the women that are trying to do it all really high power job, be the mom, got the stress. It's it's anxiety producing, and then it's affecting sleep. Then if for women, particularly, if you don't sleep, it's depressing. (laughs) You feel awful and sad. So I think that there is a huge relationship there that I wish instead of going right for all of the psychotropics in our society, if we could just kind of stop it right there and say, okay, let's, let's dial it back. Let's look at the stress. You know, and if you have this job where you, you legitimately, it's your job, maybe you are the breadwinner of your household. You can't do anything about your job, but can we start putting in some management techniques that can help you better deal with what you have going on? I think if we could do that and maybe sidestep the psychotropics, we could maybe really see some change because I find with, especially my patients that come from, I've done the psychotropics and I found it made me worse. That's what scares me because these are, you know, drugs are designed, I think for a small period of time, but they're taken more longer term. And then symptoms have a tendency to become exasperated over time. So I don't know if it's the real solution that we should be 
depending on. Or find the root cause of why you're having all that stress, why you can't deal with that stress in the first place, right? So let's let's talk about just the nomenclature because we hear all the time that adrenal fatigue is not a real condition. It doesn't exist. Sure. And that that term should be abandoned. But patients understand that term. We understand adrenal exhaustion. Say my adrenals are shot, but it's not really the adrenals not producing cortisol anymore. It's the whole brain pituitary, hypothalamus pituitary axis. Can you explain what the sure. axis is and why we say adrenal fatigue, but it's more yeah. than that. So I think, you know, in the sixties, when, you know, this terminology was developed, adrenal fatigue was actually divided into stages, right? Because you do have these serious diseases. You've got the Cushing's and, you know, you've got Addison's disease, which are legitimate medical issues that need management and co-management sometimes, but you have a lot of people that fall in the middle. They're not at these end stages. So the old nomenclature of adrenal burnout in three stages until you burn out, I really don't think applies. And for that reason, I find, and what I've done through my own research is found that, you know, people that are, let's say, recently sick. Hello, this world right now, you know, that's going to put you right into states of overactivity or underactivity. Like for instance, let's say we don't know we have a food sensitivity. Okay. Well, you wouldn't know that because the reactions your body gives you are nothing like food allergies, but you don't know you're eating something you're sensitive to. Maybe you're just used to having headaches all the time. Maybe it's normal for you to not have normal bowel movements. Maybe it's normal for you to be slightly jittery at night. Maybe something you're eating isn't agreeing with you. Well, that's going to shoot you into a state of adrenal over or under activity. That I think is more realistic for people. Okay. Adrenal fatigue has gotten a bad rap because it is not an ICD, not ICD 10 code. It's not a medical code. You can't go and get a prescription for adrenal fatigue. Well, if you go follow Dr. Michael Lamb, medical doctor out of San Diego, who's virtually devoted his entire life to studying adrenal fatigue syndrome, he's very well respected. He has a gigantic clinic of of patients, longtime patients that he's helped. And now his children are all involved in the clinic dealing with adrenal issues and most HPA axis dysfunction. So I think HPA axis dysfunction, it makes the most sense to say exactly what it is, but for people that aren't in medical terms, medical field, it still feels better to say adrenal fatigue because that's how I feel. I feel fatigued and I know it has to do with my adrenals. So call it that. So let's just stop. You know, I feel like it's like bashing. We bash people because they say adrenal fatigue. We'll call it what if that's how you feel. Call it that. So the problem is the breakdown in the communication. We know that the endocrine system is an intimate network of glands. It is responsible for how every single hormone in our body is either produced is actionable or is taking a back seat. So, you know, everything starts in the brain. We're going to get all our neurotransmitters there in the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. Well, if that is not communicating, if it's not producing the neurotransmitters we need, then it's not telling the adrenal glands what to do by way of the axis. So there's a problem there. Now, if that's working fine, but the adrenal glands are not, they're not sending their feedback on up to the brain. So now there's no communication there. So it's a real true network that you need to 
dial down and figure out where's the miscommunication. These signals are so important to what happens next. A lot of people don't realize if your adrenal glands aren't in check, all of the other hormones by which we are responsible for reproduction and so forth, they're not functioning properly. We're not producing the right amounts. Maybe we're overproducing things where we should be, it, it becomes more complex. And then you are in a situation where you're saying, well, now I've got an estrogen dominant issue. Well, what if the root cause was adrenal fatigue? What if the root cause was really HPA access dysfunction? Does it, it'll help to maybe address the estrogen dominance, but if we don't get down to that root, if we don't address what's going on with the adrenals, we're not going to correct that long-term. So I think it really has to, it, has, it takes commitment. The patient has to say, okay, this is making sense to me. I've had this for so long. I get what you're saying. Can we figure it out? Those are the patients I want to take care of. And I'm sure you do as well, because now you're partnering for the long haul because you're going to create some sustainable change. I love that. So I want to talk about just because we get stressed and we, maybe someone thinks they have adrenal fatigue. So they go and buy just ashwagandha. They're like, I need all the yes. ashwagandha I can get. Um, but they haven't been tested. They haven't been evaluated. And so I want to talk about how you test adrenal fatigue, what labs you'd like to run, saliva, serum, et cetera. And maybe just quickly explain the different stages of stress. Cause a lot of times you, you can kind of tell if you're in a, the exhaustion stage, but what, if, what if you're in the high cortisol how does that treatment strategy change between the different stages. That's awesome point. You know, the truth is when somebody comes to me with just these sort of, you know, umbrella symptoms that we can all plug them all right into the adrenal fatigue umbrella. I oftentimes start with what are you eating? Can we start there? I need to know exactly what you eat and when, and you'd be surprised. And I'm just going to say it by how many women don't eat enough protein. This is such a phenomenon. I've been doing this now for seven years. I would easily say 95% of the women that start with me are protein deficient, completely protein deficient. Wow. Now, anybody could say, well, you know, why is that? Well, you know, you got the high powered woman executive at a job. She's just not eating because she's so busy. Then you've got the mom juggling at home. She's just getting scraps of what she can because she's just trying to keep the tiny humans up. Okay. But then you just don't have, you know, you lose sight. I think as you get older of, well, what is it that I really need? You can go extreme. We can do the macros. We can calculate that, but I start there. Well, what, what is the the issue then? Well, if we're not getting enough protein, we're getting too much what? Carbs. And why is this a problem? Well, this is a problem because it directly affects your blood sugar and it directly affects how you feel, period, end of story. And this is not a carb bashing conversation. I've actually found over the years, I know my body so well now, I know exactly when I need to eat carbs and I need to eat carbs every morning. And if I don't, the rest of the day is shot for me. So it is just knowing the right carbs and how do you get there? So the first thing, once we've established how the patient is accustomed to eating, my job isn't to be like, you're not eating the right thing. Cause that's okay. Well, whatever. I'm not going to change now. Let's be real. Humans are habits. I mean, we're, right. this is, you know, I'm not going to just change overnight just cause you said, no, let's 
Step one. Okay. So you eat X, Y, Z, Mary. Okay. Well, you know what? I want to know exactly what is going on with you, your diet, you're taking ashwagandha for two weeks and you just heard you should be also taking rhodiola and you're trying some other supplements. Okay. Well, nothing's working. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Something's also not working. If we're eating too many carbs, not enough protein, there's probably something going on in the gut there might be something going on in the liver. We're not getting rid of toxins. Maybe we're not digesting properly. So basically after we get through a consult, which takes about 45 to 50 minutes or so, we can narrow down what labs are we going to do based on the information that I've gathered. So first off, if we know we have enough symptoms that are falling under the umbrella, I want to see what comes out of a dried urine, a comprehensive hormone test is called the Dutch test. This is going to tell me what's happening on a very acute level with hormones, with organic acids. It's not going to just say what the adrenals are doing. We are going to get like this gigantic foundation by which we can then build from. So the Dutch test is amazing for that. It's a dried urine sample. Patients love this. They could take it at home and it is literally samples over a 24 hour period. So we're going to know everything we need to know about cortisol, everything we need to know what the hormones are doing. That gives us a tremendous amount of information because then I know exactly what supplements we need to support the issues I have with just, you know, sort of cherry picking the adrenal supportive supplements and stuff like that is just, you don't know what you need. Maybe you don't need ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is amazing. It's an amazing adaptogen been around longer than all of us, but maybe it's not what you need right now. Maybe it's something we're going to look at in maintenance six months from now, maybe a more prior primary supplement might be something like we have to get in some dim. We've got to bring your estrogen down. We have to let progesterone wake up a little bit because it's been taking a backseat, stuff like that. So the Dutch test gives us a lot of information of what we can zero in on supportive wise from a supplement standpoint. Now, the another test that I find I have to almost get some info out of the gate is what are we eating? <laughs> are we eating things that are supporting our lifestyle or are we eating things that we just want to eat and we don't care how we feel? You know, that's the truth about food intolerances and food sensitivity. So that's the one test that some patients kind of gripe about because it's this blood serum test and they've got to go to a lab for it, but it gives us a wealth of information. I'm not only looking at gluten, dairy, sugar, corn, soy, you know, everyone's like, Oh, I know I did an Everly well test. Well, I'm glad you did, but you know what? That's not the stuff that's so important as it is sometimes the cross-reactive foods. A lot of people don't realize, you know, oats acts like gluten in your gut. Maybe you eat oatmeal every day. Well, it's gluten-free. Well, guess what? It's not agreeing with you. So we need to pull that out. If we don't have a tight gut, I could give you $5,000 worth of supplements. They're not going to do anything until the gut is nice <laughs> and tight and it's healed and we've got the inflammation calmed down. So again, it's the root cause, back it up, back it up, keep dialing it back. Can we seal the gut? Can we absorb, integrate and assimilate nutrients? And then is our liver also working optimally? Are we getting the toxins out? Because if we're not getting the toxins out and we're not getting the bowels working properly, then we're not also doing our job there. Because again, $5,000 worth of supplements isn't going to do anything if you can't go to the bathroom. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, such, with that, right? that's such a great point because if you're taking all these supplements and it's not working because you're not actually healing, it's just going straight through. Um, I hear all the times like magnesium should work for the majority of people, but if it does not work, 
Well, it could be because your gut is so permeable, if you will, that it's just going straight through. And maybe it's getting too much in the blood system. Not, there's no buffering system there, right? Your kidneys aren't having a chance exactly. to buffer it how they're supposed to. And so that makes a, a huge difference. But so the Dutch test, we know it's a dried urine spot, but it also does yeah. salivary uh, cortisol testing. So multiple points of cortisol throughout the day. And I do believe they have a cortisol awakening response option now, correct? Mm-hmm. Can you talk about why that's important? Why some people test their cortisol, maybe in serum, and say, Hey, it's good. Or maybe they just get a regular, I'm going to say a four point salivary cortisol test and they don't get the cortisol awakening response. What does the cortisol awakening response uh, mean to you? Okay. So I think, uh, because I mean, it's funny, but you're going to laugh right now. Is this not like the ultimate board question? Like what is the gold standard for testing cortisol? <laughs> and everyone's like circling the button, you know, salivary. It's like the go-to. I don't know so more. I, I, I just don't trust so much that it's like the information to lock really? down to. Okay. So I think that, um, like you said, in the Dutch test, we're going to get it to look at cortisol over a 24 hour period. Now, the truth is you don't know how to eat until you've established the cortisol curve. And what do I mean by that? And this is something I've learned that's taken me probably easily 10 years on myself to really understand why I have this thing about carbs, okay? The truth is you can't just be done with adrenal fatigue. If it's something that you're dealing with, it is something that is there and it is something that you're prone to. And that's what I've learned about myself. So what I have to do is be very, very conscientious of how I eat in a way that supports my cortisol curve, because if I don't, I wind up in trouble. So that the the Dutch test is going to give us a true snapshot. We're going to know when you're producing cortisol and why. And then what you want to do is understand what to eat at those times of day, which is the information that comes from this lab, which you would not get from the salivary test. Okay. So for instance, let's just do a quick example. So this is a typical cortisol curve of somebody perfectly healthy. You wake up in the morning, your cortisol is climbing. So somewhere between six and 9 a.m. is where you're going to get a nice peak. So at that point in the morning, high protein and lower carbs is the way to go. This is a, this is a perfect example. Then for lunch, you're going to raise your carbs a little bit. Protein's going to come down. You're actually doing this sort of like leveling out. Your snack is going to be a good protein carb snack. A lot of people ask me, well, what do you eat for a snack? I'm like, I've always got nuts in my desk. I'm like weird like that. I've got protein bars. I've got nuts. I've dried fruit. Sometimes I'll do carrots, hummus, peanut butter, celery. I mean, really like grade school snacks. I probably have like a third grade diet when it comes to (laughs) snacking, but like, that's the truth. And then dinner's my highest carb right at night. This is what's going to support the complete flattening of the cortisol curve and give me a restful night's sleep. I never could really understand why in New York, where I grew up, New York, New Jersey area. Okay. Bagels and cream cheese are like a breakfast and I used to eat it all the time. So how much carbs, right? Let's not talk about the junk, but how much carbs (laughs) is that in the morning? I mean, that's just a carb your carb loading at least hundred grams, right? What? <laughs> I mean, if that, so that was my breakfast with coffee for years as I was working in the, in the corporate world. So not only am I devoid of protein, but I'm getting this blood sugar spike on an epic level and completely crashing out by the end of the day. It is extremely difficult to recover from that. It is really hard. I I know because I I see it in myself. So I learned to support my curve. Now, the first time my functional medicine doctor ran a Dutch test on me, 
my cortisol was like tanked in the morning because I was producing it at night when you should be sleeping. So we had to do the reverse of what I just said, because what you're doing is when you run a Dutch and when you get that 24 hour sort of snapshot of cortisol, you have to meet you where you're at patient. So we're going to design the carb cycle according to where you are, put in the supportive supplements, and then we're going to get that to normalize out. And then always the second question is, well, do you do the Dutch test again? And I sometimes is the best answer because not always is it needed, but you, when you start to wake up and you feel alive again, and you're sleeping better and you have energy, do we need to do it again? I don't know. So I usually proceed with caution on that. But it's a matter of meeting the patient where they're at supporting the cortisol curve with carbs at the right time of day, I found has been the answer for me and a lot of my patients. And you're only going to get that information with the right lab. I love that. And just to, uh, just to get more, I guess, more nuanced on this. So for example, I'm the patient, you did my cortisol test. And um, let's say that my, when I first wake up, I got a ton of cortisol, um, just through the roof. So what would I eat more protein or I'd eat more carbs? Okay. So higher protein, higher protein, lower carbs. Okay. Yeah. okay. So a, a normal person should spike somewhere in the morning. Like you wake up yeah. the body, you're in tune with your circadian rhythm. So cortisol starting to climb. So that higher protein and lower carb is going to support the spike. Yeah. And it, it's slowly going to dip. And that's for, um, for more blood sugar regulation, right? Because if I'm too high, you want to spike it even further, correct? Correct. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense, right? If you're too high, eating more carbs, if you have a lot of cortisol, is going to do the opposite. It's going to wear- If you eat a bagel. Right. So <laughs> That's it. So it all goes back to test, don't guess, right? Because you can take all the ashagan in the world, but for eating three bagels with cream cheese, with a heavy sugar coffee, first thing in the morning, you already have high cortisol, it's- not going to work. Right. High cortisol, high blood sugar. And then to top it off, I was gluten intolerant and I was eating Ooh. bread every day. Hello. Talk about yeah. destroying your gut. I mean, I wonder why I was sick every day. <laughs> you know? Hippocrates you said all diseases in the gut and my gut was a disaster for years. So again, it's just, it's, it's putting the pieces of the puzzle to make it fit for that patient. Yes. And something, one thing that you talk about a lot, which I find so intriguing and so impactful is fasting. So you say for a lot of your uh, I'm gonna say adrenal fatigue patients that they should not fast. And I want to talk about that because so many people are yeah. on the fasting keto trend right now, yes. but you're saying, Hey, that's not good. If so, you X, Y, Z. So no, I, I'm glad that you're bringing this up because I, I get a lot of slack about this on social media. And I always preface it with, in my experience, because I have done these things and I can tell you from experience that prior prior, well, actually, no, it was right after having my second child. So I wanted to press the reset button on my metabolism, which is what fasting is amazing for. And I being a functional medicine physician, having been under care of a functional medicine physician for over five years, I was like, I'm going to do intermittent fasting, Just wake up, you know, do my thing, drink water, drink lemon water, da, 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 eat at 12. My hair started to fall out. I started to get dark circles under my eyes, my skin. I was getting like patches of eczema and I'm like, okay, I mean, I know you're a mess after you have a baby postpartum probably wasn't the right point in time. But as I started to 
work more with adrenal fatigue patients over the years, they started to come to me following doing keto or intermittent fasting. And what they found with fasting is that it was wreaking havoc on their hormones. Well, it had me thinking you shouldn't be fasting if your hormones aren't balanced. And I'm, I just flat out said it. And I feel very confident in that because I experienced it and my patients have experienced it. Now, when they get to a place where we've established the cortisol curve, where things are going back to that state of homeostasis, right? Balance. They feel good. They're sleeping good. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Try fasting again. If you really want to shake things up, if you're getting back into, you know, fitness, if you really are looking to really level up, you know, your sleep, your energy at that point, but until you've established that, that good baseline, your hormones are balanced. I don't think the timing is right now. Keto side note. So keto, <laughs> I also tried. Okay. Because like, I feel like I can't talk about things that I don't try. So if I've never tried it, I don't talk about it with patients. And I just say that that's out of my scope. But if I've tried it, I tell them, and I did do keto. And what did I learn about myself? Well, again, so this was following my episode of fasting. I found I do not metabolize fat well. And that was a huge aha because here I am coming from this kid that had allergies that knows she has hormonal imbalances that has, you know, a tendency to have gut issues on and on and on fat. I need fat. Well, I was avocadoing and coconut oiling my brain off yep. and I was putting on weight at an alarming rate not metabolizing fat well at all. So of course, let's dial it back. Is it the keto? No, I had gut and liver issues that were preventing my body from really absorbing, assimilating those fats appropriately. So again, jump on the keto train, not get the result you want, comes probably back to your hormones. You're not at a state of balance. I think like these sort of restrictive ways of eating work amazing when everything is nice and tight and working right. right. But if it's not, then it's probably the reason why your body's resisting because there's an imbalance somewhere. Yes. And I just wonder, um, cause I, I'm the same way. I, I don't tolerate fast as well, but I, I have an APOE three, four gene, um, mm. which gives me a, um, higher incidence or a harder time breaking down saturated fat. So I actually tried keto. I actually did my lipids and it was like horrifying. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like it's, <laughs> they've never been like this high ever. And I know that's not the only thing to look at It's the inflammatory markers, of course, but still I was like, Oh, it just, it was crazy high. Do you know if you have uh, any genetic predisposition to, to fat um, breakdown? I don't, but it is literally on my list because yeah. I, it's one of the things I want to look at, of course, next, right? Yeah. We, we have a list of stuff, yes. we gotta look <laughs> but at it so is much. one of the things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, so this is going to be a teaser because I know a lot of people are, are wanting to know okay, what supplements can I take? But th this episode is not about just taking the supplements. It's, it's about getting a full analysis and getting a plan, getting the foods timed right with how you're testing. So we're going to do an Instagram live um, yeah. soon, and we're going to talk about that. So anyone who is waiting, follow us on Instagram, um, Dr. Francesca LeBlanc, and I'm Dr. Robert Fredrickson. We're going to do a live soon. You, you actually, when you get done with the live, you'll actually be able to see that recording and on that live, we'll talk about some of these supplements, but I want to just bring some context to this first because everyone is just going to start taking vitamin C and adaptogenic herbs, you know, yeah. all those things. Um, but there's got to be, there's got to be a framework, right? Absolutely. So, so let's pause 
this episode Perfect. because everyone's going to want to do that. But before we do, go ahead and let everyone know where they can find you online, where they can find your website, um, where they connect with you if they have a hormone imbalance and they want to talk further. Sure. So labwellhealthcare.com. That's my, um, my company website. You can reach out to us there. We have a whole wealth of articles I've written about what's going on with me always. I always go back to that. Um, Nikki, who works for me in the virtual practice, is happy to take your call or your email if you have questions about how the practice works. I'm all over social media at Dr. Francesca LeBlanc. If you want to see what's out there. There's just a ton of nuggets of info. If you're new to this topic, if some of what we said today resonates with you, just go poke around and, and see, because at the end of the day, you could probably pull, you know, little pieces of info here and there and start connecting the dots for yourself. I love that. So yes, Dr. Francesca does amazing stuff on Instagram, makes it fun, makes it entertaining and still is very educational. So anyone who's listening, who has possible signs of adrenal fatigue or HP axis dysfunction, Go follow her. We're going to do a live in about a week to talk further about the supplements and everything else that is tied into HB access dysfunction. So Dr. Francesca, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. And I learned a lot. And we'll thanks. see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fredrickson Health Show. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a rating and review. Follow us on social media and subscribe to our email newsletter for more information.